Welcome, Blues, to episode 26 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. In this pod, we review the enthralling match against Lyon and also look forward to our next match against Bournemouth. Today, in the Skype virtual studio, we have Colin Savage, Prestwich Blue. Hello, Colin. It seems like a long time since you've been on. How have you been doing? Uh, good, good, good. Yes, yeah, I was just saying before we came on air that I've just hot-footed it back from a, a branch meeting from a local branch, which I've just joined. Uh, and that was a very entertaining evening with uh, Tommy Booth and Ian Cheeseman. But Tommy did most of the talking, so some very funny stories there. Wow, that's pretty enviable, guys. And we also have with us David Gregory, born and bred Mancunian. Guys, uh, David, how are you? How have you been doing? Very well, thank you. Dodging the rain. I really chucked it down for a while over here, but... Uh, no, it's good. Okay, guys. Well, let's try to make this podcast as crackling and frenetic as the game was. I'd like to start off with you, uh, Colin. So it was Leon to Manchester City to um, opening question um, regards the lineup. Now, before we saw what happened, what did you make of Pep's attempt to deal with the conundrum caused by the absence in midfield of Bernardo, Gundogan, and of course, Kevin De Bruyne. Well, yeah, I thought he got it a little bit wrong. I mean, we got we got the result in the end, but um, I thought he got it a little bit wrong. He, um, and certainly talking to um, Steve Tudor, uh, he agrees with me. I, I, I thought that um, it reminded me a little bit of the Liverpool game last season at Anfield, where, again, we were, we were a bit short, weren't we, in terms of players. I can't remember who was injured, but he put um, Ilkay Gundogan in this weird kind of half-back type role where he was, wasn't really a wing-back, he wasn't really a midfield player, he wasn't really a full-back. And he did the same with Zinchenko. Well, I got, looking at my all the notes I've made, um, Zinchenko, you know, he's done a decent enough job at, at foot, as a pure full wing, well, wing-back or full-back. Not great defensively, but quite good coming. But he stuck him in that, again, that weird what-was-he type role. So I, I couldn't understand, when, when the, certainly when the team was announced, it looks a bit, little bit odd, and, and I thought he's going to play four-two-four mm-hmm. um, with Zinchenko. You know, a flat back four with, with Zinchenko was the standard fullback. Fernandinho and Silver in midfield, and then um, four up front. But obviously, he wasn't playing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit of a weird line for me because Zinchenko was started. Obviously, it, it was a straightforward back three. We didn't really have wing backs. Mm-hmm. Zinchenko was sort of. I, I know he does the fullbacks do that thing where they drift to midfield, but Zinchenko was playing in midfield. 
and it left us a bit exposed on, on our right, to, to be honest. So I, I thought, that, you know, I couldn't understand why he didn't bring, say, Delph in. My team would have been something like uh, Walker Stones, Laporte, and maybe Danilo or Delph at left back. Then uh, Fernandinho, obviously, in silver in midfield. If you're playing Danilo, I'd have played Delph in midfield because we know we can do a job there. And then combination of, of Sterling, Aguero, uh, um, probably the starting with Mares. He's got that little bit more experience. And Sane's a better player to bring on perhaps a bit later on. So I thought the lineup was a bit strange and I thought he overthought it, overcomplicated it. And, and um, we, we kind of suffered a little bit for that, I think. David Guardiola told the press that Phil Foden was ready. And if you think about it, he is a like-for-like replacement for the missing man, Bernardo Silva. Do you think that Pep's failure to do what seemed to be the logical thing of putting in Foden in place of Bernardo was perhaps one of the things that contributed to our difficulties? The actual, the way the game unfolded uh, won't have done us any harm at all because we needed to be tested. Um, and it's a test that we, we passed. Putting Foden in, in a game like that, the way that game is, hindsight's a wonderful thing, obviously. So, but if Foden had a struggled in there, if he'd have been overrun in midfield, that could have been very, very damaging to the, to the lad. And there's a world of difference when you ask, is he ready to start? Well, yes, he is. I believe in the boy. He's ready to start. It's not the same as he is going to start and then he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would, I would never, ever deem to second guess a guy of Pep's experience and football knowledge. I think he's, he, he picks the team to do a job. Got a little bit of insight. A little bit of insight. If I can just put in there. Uh-huh. Uh, Ian Cheeseman was at the branch meeting and he was asked about this. And, and Ian wasn't at the press conference, but he said uh, he was talking to Stuart Brown, Brennan, signed by Kosky, the Manchester United News. And they were both at the conference. And he said Pep was given a number of questions about Foden. And he obviously tries to answer them in uh, as straightforward a way as possible. Without We've seen Pep in press. What he says in press conferences is not necessarily what he says behind closed doors. And he said the question was asked about Foden in a number of different ways. And eventually he was asked the question, is Phil Foden ready to start? And he's either got to say no or yes. So he said, yes, Phil Foden's ready to start. And and. But both Stuart Brennan and, and Simon Baikowski had said, but he didn't say he's going to start. So it was it was one of those remarks taken perhaps out of context a little bit. And if you'd, perhaps if we'd seen the full press conference, people might have been a little bit more understanding. But it was a whole series of questions about Phil Foden that eventually Pep had to answer. Because you either got to say yes or no. So you know, it's one of those things where the, the journalist perhaps tries to trip you up a little bit, try to trip the manager up a little bit. This is something that Ian... Uh, Ian Cheeseman was saying, he said, clubs used to be more open um, with journalists in the media, and now they're very careful what we say. So he said, journalists are looking for an edge. They're trying to trip them up. They're trying to find an angle. They're trying to get a, a sensational headline. So the, the, the headline of, yeah, Foden is ready to start, did not mean Foden is going to start. So it's yeah. an interesting insight. Yeah, let me just uh, persist uh, with this just a little bit. The thing is, what Pep did was he employed a workaround solution to deal with the absence of Bernardo. And so many people have been saying that it was that workaround solution that caused the lack of fluency. You really have a like-for-like replacement because Foden plays very similarly, very similar fashion to Bernardo. Is that a legitimate criticism? Yeah, I think you've got to trust Pep though on this. And and, um, the danger is that you play for Foden and it was... 
again, the point was made by, by Tommy Booth and Ian Cheeseman at the, the branch meeting that this was perhaps our most important game of the season so far because we had to get some, we had to get result in that game, but we certainly had to get a minimum of a draw to, to make sure we were okay and give ourselves the best possible chance of winning the group. And even then it's going to go down to the, the last game though. It's dependent on, on, um, Dion's result in, um, Ukraine. But it was an important, it was an important game. So I think the, the danger is if you play forward and something goes horribly wrong and he really doesn't kind of, he's really, um, out of his depth perhaps in that sort of game, then it destroys his confidence. And, yeah, I think yeah, that's. I think you've got to be quite careful. I think that's a legitimate uh, point. Uh, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Leon uh, David. Um, here's an interesting question that uh, someone put to us, uh, so we'll ask it to you. If Leon were in the Premier League, where do you think they would finish? Um, on last night's performance, they could be a top six club. They were very powerful in midfield, which again is another reason not to have put Foden in there because, you know, he, he's not got the physical attributes. I, I think we not got away with it because it, it, but that was a game that gave us a very good test and a very good run out. And I don't believe for a moment he'll have underestimated. Uh, what Leon could do, you know, and, and as we pointed out last weekend, they are second in uh, the French league. Mm-hmm. So that you know, the, and, and having a good run of things, won the last. I think you said last time was it won four of the last five in that league. Yeah. So it, you know, they're not they're not a walkover, and it is a, a very different style of football, a very different approach to the game when you're playing. A, you know, a continental team. Let's get into a little bit of the detail about why Leon uh, were able to do so well against us in that first half. Now, uh, Indombele effectively thwarted David Silva, and Mares and Sterling were getting in each other's way. It went. Uh, we 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 ended the half zero uh, zero, but uh, it could really have been three nil to Leon, couldn't it? Well, we had a couple of chances ourselves. Uh- Yes, where Mara didn't catch the ball properly. But yeah, I mean, one of the things I noticed about the game, I think it's six or one half a dozen, a half a dozen of the other, really, in terms of how that half went. I, I think Leon played very, very, very well, and they've got some very good players in that team. Perhaps they're this season's Monaco. Mm-hmm. When the, the only player you say perhaps was a little bit of a weakness was the former United player, Raphael. But all those other players all look capable of, of, of David said, of playing to a top six standard in the Premier League. So, so I think, and they were, you know, I was watching, watched the game a couple of times. See, did they do anything? Did they double team, double team on David Silva? Um, David Silva, did they? You know, was there a man, you know, with the two players converging on Fernandinho? But I don't think they did anything particularly. There was one thing I, I noticed they did, but they were just very compact. So they stayed very compact, but they have that ability to break with speed. And that's what got us every time. So, so, um, David Silver wasn't particularly marked out the game. You know, I noticed a few times he was drifting into those positions. But I think going back to the lineup, we were partly 50% the architects of our own misfortune because the dynamics of our team weren't, were working correctly. So, so normally we'd have David Silver out towards the left, the left advancement field position, and we'd have Bernardo or KDB in the right. Uh, and, Silver and Sane would be always been a very effective combination together. They know how each other works. But you've got Dan Sterling withdrawn into that, not really central, but not really wide either. So it was almost like a, an old-fashioned inside forward. And him and Mara just didn't click at all, I don't think. And because Silver was playing very central, he wasn't out there over on the left. Uh, Sinchenko was a little bit more on the right-hand side. 
Now, silver was, silver tended to be a little bit more central. So not in his normal, not really hugging the left touch line, but patrolling the left side of the field. Um, and, and that they're quite sure, as I say, down our right, their, their menu was making a lot of that space. Yeah, we should also take into consideration that 25% of what would be our best starting lineup were not available. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, that was it. I say, I think the dynamics of our team um, s- s- caused a lot of the problem in the first half. I think Pep subtly fi- made some subtle changes to fix that in the second half, which helped mm-hmm. uh, enormously. So, you know, I, I'd say we don't know whether Delph or Danilo would, would really fit to start. Yes. Off, but uh, what, what we started with was not possibly what, you know, didn't help our cause. And I, and I say, and I think, I was kind of looking at the lineups, and there's a big, there was a big gap down our, our right hand side, really, um, which Mendy and uh, their midfield were making um, making hay down. And again, so they, they were very compact, and that's perhaps the way to play us is to they weren't parking the bus, but you know, there was little, no, not much room between their midfield and, and the and the back line. And uh, that's why Aguero was was struggling. Though I didn't give a very good first half either. David Silva wasn't really on the on the ball. Fernandinho, I thought, had a desperately poor um, first half. He was really all over the place yeah. and uh, not not winning the sort of balls we expect him to win. He was second to the ball a lot of the time. He was um, <clears throat> behind a, a second or two behind where we normally expect him to be, giving away uh, you know silly fouls, which which um, in the second half anyway. That led to their first goal almost indirectly, but yeah, it was a bit of a. We didn't cope very well in that first half. I think we had an imbalance, but they exploited it very well. Yeah. So, did you also 50, feel 50%. that when you look at the refereeing of the game, that we got away with with nothing? Anything we did was penalised, mm-hmm. and I don't think the same could be said of what Leon were doing. Right. I, didn't, I didn't think the referee was um, as bad as. They have been so, No, no, but but even so, yeah, the slightest infraction, it, it seems to me, the slightest infraction, bang, free kick. Yeah, Fernandinho uh, got an early yellow card, of course, and I I think that mm. probably had had a had a, had the effect <coughs> yeah. uh, that Colin yeah. descri- described. But uh, guys, um, I wonder if you agree with uh, the opinion or the theory of of Raphael Honigstein. He's one of my favourite journalists. He's always very uh, measured, and he said. Um, that in, in, in explaining City's uh, underperformance, he said, well, it could be just coincidence. And he didn't have much uh, much faith in that theory. He said it could have been complacency, and he ruled that out because Pep doesn't permit that. And he said the best explanation he could offer is simply this. City uh, employ a very high-risk uh, way of playing where everyone is effectively in the opponent's half, and it just is going to be the case, you're just going to have to accept this, that in Europe, against certain teams, they're going to get in behind you and cause you trouble. And he said that the the system that Pep employs requires everybody to be at least 90% on it, in in Raphael's words, and that if there's a 5% drop-off, then the better teams in Europe are going to be able to get in behind and give uh, City's defence um, a torrid time, especially with the better teams. What do you think about that theory, uh, David? 
Yeah, this uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, it is a it's a very very different way of playing football, uh, and and when you you know you your bread and butter, you, you've got a, more of a greater understanding because you see the teams a lot more. I mean, you can you can go and scout the teams that you're up against in your league, and you can go and watch the games, uh, but it's not until you actually line up that you you know how they're going to approach it. Um, and I, I think I, I wouldn't say he underestimated them by any stretch because they'd, they'd come to the Etihad and done a numbers in September. So he had a very good idea what he was facing. Uh, and I think they were a better side than a lot of us fans thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it concerns me greatly when um, supporters are on the internet and are, are tweeting and, and sort of dragging us apart. I'm thinking, put your phones down and actually watch the game yeah. because you'll see more then and you'll understand more. But you get one guy with a thread and, oh, this player's rubbish, and then you know, the other two or three join in. I'm a firm believer in our job is to support the club. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, not, not, not every, you know, the cheerleader effect but that's that's your job your job is to get behind them not moan about them groan about them and there's too many people play fifa and think that that qualifies them to manage <laughs> uh okay uh colin so we got to half time uh, zero zero some would argue um slightly fortuitously since uh, corne you you remember <laughs> hit the bar and missed an open goal, and so did Memphis Depay. City's uh, chances uh, weren't as good as those. But um, things really started to happen in the second half. And uh, I, I, I suppose the first thing that we should talk about was th- that wonder strike by Corne, who looks a, looks a player, doesn't he, for uh, the, the first goal to put them one up. Um, what happened there, uh, Colin? Right, well, yeah, I've kind of made quite a few notes about that. Um, I think it started with a, again, it was um, Fernandinho being a bit slack just in our, uh, around the halfway line somewhere. And and we won the ball, but it kind of bounced off him or he failed to get the ball under control. And it went to, I think, Ndombele, who we then fouled. Um, they then took that f- um, quick free kick, which caught us out a little bit. Um, but even so, there didn't seem to be um, not much danger. Uh, Memphis Depay had the ball out on, um, I think, their, their left, our right. Um, but uh, there were quite a few Leon players came forward on the far side, or on their right-hand side, and um, Memphis plays a great ball across the corner. Uh, now, again, uh, and, and Corne, he's only scored one of the goal this season, I think, because um, uh, he'd scored one at the Etihad. He'd scored one of the goal, I think, in, in, in the French League. So he's not kind of on fire, or you wouldn't say he was on fire. So, so you're thinking, but obviously he'd had a couple of missed opportunities in the first half, but then he kind of does this little step inside and Zinchenko doesn't quite cover that move. Yep. So he's got, he, he's opened up that gap. Zinchenko's not, not really cut it. He's a bit, setting too slow to cut it down and unleashes the shot, which I don't think Edison um, had any chance of saving. So it was kind of, um, the point I was making before, Fernandinho again was was uh, very slack, gave away the free kick when we should have come away with the ball in a decent position. Uh, and from that quick free kick, Sinchenko failing to take take that step to cover uh, Corne, um opened up the space. It took it very, very well. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I think but, uh, but, you know, uh, it's just a series of silly little things. Um, 
Yeah, it, it was. It was. It was. It, it opened was, up the opportunity for him. Yeah, it was a, a small error. It opened up this this space, but I think uh, it wasn't a huge problem. But yeah, there's yeah, a, it was there's an extent combination of a couple of little things. Yeah, that, of course, that, you know, nine times out of ten you might have done differently. Yeah, and when someone uh, finishes like that, um, you just have to congratulate the player. I mean, yeah. it was just a wonderful strike, and uh, yeah. you can't really start looking for blame and. Uh, after, it wasn't too long after that that we got uh, level again, uh, David. Uh, this was a thundering, thundering header from Laporte. Uh, such a clever uh, little bit of play. Could you describe that one for us? It was a flick, flicked on to him. It was a, yeah. a, a move to him. But I, I'm trying to recall when the last time we scored two-headed goals. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same. You, you, you know. Has Pep gone full on Allardyce now? <laughs> well, yeah, it's 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 very very uncity like. Um, although that he he did another very good goal uh, to bring us back in against Hoffenheim. Uh, you know, so he's he knows where he, the goal is and knows how to. Very powerful header and unstoppable. Um, and David Laporte was absolutely he was a man mountain for us in the game. I would have him as my man of the match for, for City. I'm not saying he was man of the match overall, although there's a case for that. But my goodness, uh, when uh, Pep is thinking about which of his four centre-backs he's going to play, Laporte is going to be one of them every time, isn't he? Oh, I would say so. Uh, and uh, it, pro- it probably means a lot to him doing it on French soil as well, because he's, as we've said before, looked by uh, Didier Deschamps for a French role. And, and he's, he's a very, very elegant player uh, and we're very lucky to have him and you can see why Pep wanted him so badly it took him 18 months to land him but you can see exactly what Pep saw in him when we first came to City and said this is a player I want go and find him for me yeah Walter always says he's a Rolls Royce of a of a defender I, I'm not going to argue with that uh, well it yeah, he's, he is the typical city defender that Pep wants. When you you think how we we used to get the ball, and you know if you cleared it from defence, you got it about halfway into your own half, and then lost it again. Whereas he is, you know, he, he's got a lovely pass on him, a team splitting pass, and doesn't panic in possession. I think we we can just look forward to lots and lots of really good service from the lad. Okay, uh, Colin. Um we achieved parity, but we lost it again because uh, Corney uh, got his brace. He slid in a second, put them 2-1 up. Could you uh, tell us about that? What did you think was going on there? Yeah, it was funny, wasn't it? Because uh, obviously we scored in the, um, what was it, the 62nd minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the game sort of settled into a little bit of a, I'm not say a stalemate, but um, neither team were particularly taking a risk. So both seemed happy at that point to settle for the point. I wasn't particularly nervous. Although, you know, there were a couple of occasions where if an opportunity presented itself, um, we, we'd take it or, or they would take it. And um, it was a, a, it was a very dubious free kick, which, again, dubious to David talking about the rough, very dubious free kick. Silva um, was penalised for going through, uh, I think, on Dombele. But actually, it wasn't. It didn't look like a foul on replay. But anyway, but again, there's no apparent danger because we're all backing. We're backing position. I think that was the thing about those um, kind of eight minutes, eighteen minutes, seventeen, eighteen minutes between us equalising and, and, and them going ahead. 
was that the team, both teams were very compact. Both teams stayed in position, didn't do anything stupid, looked happy for the point. And then um, Fernandinho, I, say, I thought he had a really... He just got pulled out of position. He came forward and he opened the space um, for Depay to play a ball through to Corne, where normally you would expect him to cut off that passing lane. But he got, if, if you watch the goal, he, get, he gets pulled forward out of position. So for Memphis has got a um, clear line of sight to, to Corne. And I think that was one of the few things Laporte got wrong because he let Corne got between Stones and Laporte. Laporte didn't pick him up quick enough. And, and, he, and he was just absolutely, um, he took that chance very well again. And again, I've seen all the two criticisms of Edison for not saving that, but I don't. Th- again, I don't think he had much of a chance with that, and, and no. it was a well taken. Corne had worked it very, very well. Fernandinho had given Depay the opportunity. Corne did the rest. Yeah. I was a bit surprised because it looked like it was going heading towards a, a one-all draw. I, I even had confidence that we would snatch it. So that goal for me came a little bit um, out of the blue, and it was just a, again a momentary lapse by Fernandinho who got pulled out of position in the. Same way, actually, that Fellaini got pulled out of position when Gundogan scored against United in the derby because he was watching Gundogan in that game. He got pulled forward, and, and so did Fernandinho, who was out of position. Uh, I don't know. You, know, you wouldn't say you wouldn't blame Fernandinho particularly, but 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 you know, he gave him the opportunity. So, yeah. so that's how I saw the goal. But again, it was a well-taken one, and it came as a bit of a shock because it, we looked the more likely to score, I thought, at that point. Yeah, uh, David, so at this point, you know, I'm feeling very, very deflated, and I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating a 2-1 loss. But um, <laughs> another another header uh, from a corner uh, this time, uh, Sergio Aguero. I mean, for goodness sake, he is no height at all. He's standing him in, uh, in the middle of a bunch of tall trees. How did he... How did he uh, get up and uh, put that one in against those defenders? Well, they zonally mark. Uh, and if you, you run into the space, because you, uh, so when a player runs into a space, he's got momentum. Uh, and you're standing, he's, and he's jumping. That high you know, disadvantage yeah. that you would expect it isn't there. Um, I, I don't. I don't profess to know enough about you know, but a zonally marking always worries me. I think you mark players, you don't mark space. Uh, so, so I always used to, used to play football. Um, but it, it, so a, a, another rarity, which is a goal directly from a corner, because for all of our superb play, we do not score that many goals from corners. Well, and I think looking at last night, some of the corners were out. Absolutely atrocious. Two or three times, David Silver failed to clear. You know, you look at David Silver and think all of his quality. He put play a ball twenty yards. You know, even Mm. like that, to land it on someone's head in a corner, but clear the first man. And that, that again, is one criticism you can make of of David Silver. Is uh, and again, there was just before we scored the our first goal, the equaliser. equaliser, Riyad Mahrez had a free kick two or three minutes beforehand, and he put it completely behind all the city players in the box, right in front of the Leon players. We were very lucky to get away with that. Maris had a stinker, um, had a stinker didn't he, really? I think every, every, everyone, everyone is clear on that. It wasn't his finest game, yeah, yeah. It wasn't his finest game. But I can't did, did, who took that corner, was it? Oh, it was Sterling. Yep. Right, right and, and that was a great corner. That was a corner put into the danger area. Yeah. Fabulous head of Aguero. Mm. And of course, he'd been denied just a couple of minutes earlier, hadn't he? But he hadn't quite got the header at the right angle, which which Laporte did get. Um, 
So, so yeah, I mean, that was uh, the way we the way we hit back was was phenomenal, and it was from but, one good corner, which is all the dross we put in all night. If you analyse our analysis, we had several players that weren't bang at it, and their most of their players were exceeding yeah, expectation. Yeah. So to actually come away with a two-all draw there shows how far we've come. In, in in the years to be playing in Europe. Well, David, this was going to be my next uh, question. Um, what do you think of Pep's uh, comment after the game that this kind of suffering is good for us? Well, yeah, I, I, we need to be tested. Um, you know, we, enjoying some excellent games in the Premier League, um, but you know, it, it's that complacency. I don't think it. I, it's very important for us no, never to think. And this game will have given us the world a good and give the defence a run out. Um, and it is, you know, any team is capable on the day of actually springing a surprise. So I, I think we've not got out of jail, but we've we've got a good result for the, for the standings. At the end of the day, you, you know, you finish top, you avoid some of the the bigger clubs in the first round and hopefully let some of them knock some of the others out. Uh, and it is from here on in all about knockout football. Yep. Uh, Colin, do you think that at 2-2, two, two, both both the teams decided that uh, they, they were going to uh, settle for that and uh, not try to risk too much? Well, I thought they settled for a 1-1, as I said before. So, um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, once it got to 2-0, it was then you know, 10 minutes from the end, wasn't it? Less than 10 minutes from the end. And I thought... Both seemed happy enough. You know, I don't recall that much happening after we scored our, our um, second goal. So, um, yeah, as I say, I think it, the opportunity just presented itself to them for their second goal and, and, and they took it. Um, I don't think we necessarily, uh, and I think both teams are still up with a draw at that point. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, Colin, um, the next question I've got on my little list is... Um, there's been quite a lot of speculation from quite some respected people that um, the performances of certain players um, on that Leon team, uh, particularly, I think his name is Awar. It's very difficult or to Awar, yeah. Awar, uh, uh, maybe even Corne. Possibly there's less um, credibility with that, but that uh, these would be prospects for city signings. What do you think? Yeah. Um, well. I mean, you know, you look, you look across that team, and you know the the, the two guys, um, the two guys, or the three guys at the back. Uh, Jason Denier, he had a great game. Um, oh, yeah. The, the, the other two guys are uh, were really good. Uh, Our and, um, and Don Belay had both had fantastic games. Uh, Naviel Fekir played that slightly withdrawn, the, what what the old Revy plan type um, deep line centre forward. He was fantastic. Um, Corne, he had a great game on the night, I think, but, um, I'm not sure you'd be looking at him as a, as a prospect. Um, Memphis, we know, we know about him, but he had a great game. The, the one that caught my eye was, funnily enough, left, left back Mendy. Yeah, I was thinking that, um, uh, guys, uh, did we sign the wrong Mendy? <laughs> yeah, well, I did make me wonder. I mean, he outpaced Carl Walker at one point, and no one outpaces Carl Walker. You know, I think the, you know if we quietly quietly swap one one Mendy for another would be all right. You, you would, but yeah, he was very impressive. You wouldn't believe the the similarities. They are they both came up through Le Havre, both Ferland Ferland Mendy and Benjamin Mendy. I think they're both um they both have Ivorian uh, origins, uh, but uh, are, are are French born. 
Um, there's there's just a year between them, and um, he he looked really pretty good for Ferland Mendy. I'd like to see uh, Benjamin Mendy perform like that sometimes. What do you think? Um, yeah, David? I mean, um, or Colin? <laughs> yeah, well, David wants to say he can have a say. Yeah, I, I, there were a lot of good players in that side, um, and. You'd, you'd have to not look at it in a one-match scenario because a lot of those players could very well have been putting themselves in the shop window, uh, knowing who you're playing against. Yeah. And it, you can raise your game for, for, the, for the English champions. It's what you're doing uh, week in, week out, which determines whether you can make it at, at our level or not. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the Andombele, certainly, I think he has shown some, some nice skills. But do, do we but, think, I'm looking at watching Ndombele, I must watch it again, actually. I got the impression he was very good at the part of Fernandinho, because we talked about Fernandinho as having yeah. two sides to him, really. He's that he, he's the stopper. The guy gets his foot in, breaks on play. But he can also do things further forward in the field. And, and the only thing um, I, I thought looking at that game last night was Ndombele could do the what you might call the number six type role. Yeah. So, so the breaking up, he was really good um, at that sort of role. I wasn't sure how well he coped with the other side of the of the box to box midfield role. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas uh, our, I think he he coped with the more creative side. So I think you've got two players there. Well, you know, he, both do both do parts of that role. But Fernandinho is is unique in that respect. Yeah. Is, is yeah. It, it used to be, you know, there was the, the stopper, and then you pass it on. I mean, it was a defensive midfielder and a creative midfielder. In Fernandinho, we've got both in the yeah. same yeah, yeah. same body, and that is unique, well, I, I and that's know. what makes him hard to replace. I don't know if you watched the Liverpool game last night, but Verratti was oh yeah absolutely outstanding. Should be sent off though. Get him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, so should James Milner. I guess how he got away with that. I think, did he get a yellow card in the end? I don't know. Yeah, he got so a yellow, yeah. Must have about six crunching fouls. Uh-huh. The first three should have earned him a yellow card. But in two, I, I think the first one wasn't even called a foul. The second one was advantage, and I think the third one was a free kick, which he should have got a yellow for. So, um, yeah, I think Verratti was very lucky to stay on. When he did, he had a, he was absolutely... I, f- I feel that PSG are treated similarly to us in terms of refereeing. It, it's Whether it's a UEFA, um, we don't like these teams, or the ownerships of these teams... Uh, but you think some of the decisions over over the last games in Europe, some of the decisions that we've had against us, uh, the, there's you know the, you take the Liverpool game at the Etihad, bang on forty five minutes yeah, he yeah, stops was, the game. There's, there's, there's been a, a booking and two substitutions in that half, and bang on time it stops. Uh, and I think PSG have had the same type of. You know, approach that watching some of the PSG stuff, I, I felt they were were being overly. And for for Jurgen Klopp to come back and said, you know, they they're rolling around and everything. There's only one that's doing that, and he's been doing that for years. But if you know that, don't touch him. You know, yeah. you know full well. If you can't learn to get close enough without making physical contact, you deserve everything you get, and, and it just makes you. That, that reminds me, because that was one of the things we were doing on Tuesday night, going into the back of Leon players, yeah. you know, when you don't need to. And, mm, exactly. And, you know, Fernandinho got a yellow, and I think people thought that was harsh, but he'd just done another silly foul, which he didn't need to. And Mares did it, and, and I think a couple of others, where, you know, they're going into the back, and you know in Europe, 
you do that, you're going to give away a free kick. Well, you might well, get it, a Premier League. But it, even if you get, you just have to get close enough to touch them. If they can feel yeah. somebody, somebody like Neymar, if he can feel your presence, he'll go down and and he'll get a free kick. And it, I, 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 it's double standards for me. If you think back to when when we were playing Liverpool in in that, it's, Klopp said things like, "Whatever it takes." I know he's so two faced about that, isn't he? Win at all costs. Yeah, and then when it's when it's done against you, you want to sit and whine about it. You know, the, it was it was. Yeah, I'm sorry, but it's if you're playing against players like that, it, pe- people ask for consistency in refereeing. Well, you you get you don't get consistency in refereeing. You get consistency with a referee. You know that a referee doesn't like this, and so is particularly tight on that. That's the consistency. But with players like Neymar. And Messi to a lesser degree, but first time I ever watched City play Barcelona, I was horrified. You know, they were like weebles that went anywhere near them. Down they go. And it disrupts the flow. You you don't get your game going. It suits them to play like that. But this is what we have to learn. David, and, as you say, running into the back of it. David, yeah. how gratifying would it be for you if Liverpool have to spend the rest of the season in the far wastelands <laughs> of the earth? Uh, of the Europa League, <laughs> somewhere out in, out, oh. out in Ukraine or somewhere. Out there. Uh, well, I, 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 I think I've said before. I've, I've over the last two years, I've elevated Liverpool to a position previously only occupied by Manchester United. Um, it's that they. I think I said last time. Liverpool fans used to have a sense of humour. Now they just have a sense of entitlement. And it's you know, like last night, it was everybody's fault, but, but not theirs. Uh, uh, and if I could just ask Colin, Colin, if you could, could you just um, explain for uh, some of our listeners uh, what are the various ramifications of the final game of the group against Hoffenheim? Um, how important is it to top the group by avoiding defeat to Hoffenheim? What are what are the ramifications of finishing first or second? Well, okay. Well, I was just making a note on that. So, um, yeah, as long as we can. Avoid defeat against Hoffenheim, uh, a draw will do. We will top the group. So our potential opponents will then be uh, Borussia Dortmund, Inter Milan. That that Liverpool group has still got two of those th- three. Uh, it's, it's quite interesting actually because Liverpool could win the group. They could drop in. But no, sorry, they don't think they can win the. Yes, they can win the group potentially. Um, they could come second in the group. They could come third in the group. Come fourth in the group, uh, depending on results. Loving but from that group. One of probably one of Napoli or Paris. If Liverpool comes second, obviously we won't get them. We can't get them in, in the round of sixteen. So it will be possibly one of Napoli or Paris Saint Germain, uh, Schalke, Ajax, or looks like Roma, because uh, obviously United will probably come second in their group. We can't get them. Spurs, I think, are headed for Thursday nights. Now for, for United, who are likely to come second in the group, their likely opponents are uh, Atletico Madrid. Barcelona, again, Napoli, PSG, uh, Porto, who you take, I think. Bayern Munich. Real. Obviously, they can't have us. Real Madrid or Juve. Oh, no, they can't get Juve again. So they've got Real Madrid, out of the Bayern, <laughs> Porto, Napoli or PSG, Barcelona or Atletico. So yeah. th- that's yeah. the difference between... And the, 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 the other factor, of course, is you play your second leg. If you finish top of the group, you play your second leg at home. Yeah. So you know exactly what you've got to do uh, yeah. so it's less likely um, if you if remember Monaco we played Monaco at home where we won 5-3 and then we went away because we'd, we'd finished 
second in that group. So our away leg uh, was was in Monaco, and that's where it, the wheels came off. So, so you'd say that the draws that might worry us, we, we've got the six teams potentially we could get. Uh, uh, Dortmund are playing very well, so ideally you wouldn't want them. Inter, Schalke, Ajax, yeah, you'd say, you take take those. Roma and Napoli or PSG, uh, I think we'd probably prefer Napoli, to be honest. Um, but, but so, yeah, you take, you take Inter, Schalke or Ajax. Um, you definitely want to avoid Dortmund the way they're playing at the moment, I suspect. Uh, Napoli or PSG and maybe Roma, um, ideally you'd want to avoid. So 50% chance now of getting a team that we should be able to cope with reasonably easily. But of course, as we found from this group, there are no easy games in Europe, particularly at that stage of the CL. Mm-hmm. Guys, is, uh, before we uh, do a little preview of the Bournemouth game, is there anything more that needs to be said about this little European adventure? I think uh, if you, you set out, that group looked like a, a cakewalk compared to what, what other teams were, were actually. The Liverpool group was a toughie and United's was a toughie. Um, to finish top of that group, we've done exactly what we set out to do. Um, and that's that's all we want. Yep. I think hindsight uh, has shown Yeah, that there were no weak, weak teams in that group. Even if you get a group of death with two other, like, like Spurs have got with Barcelona and, uh, um, Inter. and Inter. Um, yeah. you know, there's a weak team in that group, you know, PS, PSV, wasn't it? So um, all three of the teams in that group were worthy opponents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Guys, do you think that we have the big game mentality that is required to go all the way in this competition? Because obviously we've we've done very well against the big teams in the Premier League, but um, what what are our prospects in this competition? Do you feel uh, against the, the 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 giants of the, of the European game? I think we should be regarded. We, we haven't. I mean, it tickles me when you start talking European royalty. I think what what qualifies you to be royal? You know, AC Milan. You know, it's the, all the historical stuff needs to be parked to one side. It's current. Um, Real are not having a very good league season. Uh, they're not hitting the heights that they were. So is that a team? Is, is it a good time to, to play a team like Real in the, in the round of eight? Um, there, there are, there's nobody there that frightens me over two legs. Uh, it's the, it's the look of the draw, you know, that you, and, and the best scenario is away leg first, home leg second. Um, Provided you don't, things don't go horribly wrong in the first leg like they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, there's, there's nobody in that competition that I would say we should feel inferior to. And in Pep, you've got a manager with an awful lot of European experience, yeah. which is a, the big difference. He got, you know, we, we fell foul of a lot of things, um, in, in the last competition. Personally, I, I do not believe you can go through what our players and staff went through on that journey in Liverpool and it not have an impact on you. Absolutely. And uh, uh, Colin, uh, David mentioned, uh, I, no, sorry, I think you mentioned Dortmund um, are, uh, as, a, as a, you know, a dangerous team. Are there any other uh, teams that you would really like, you really rather avoid until it comes to the very later stages? Um, you know, ideally you want to avoid, I don't know really. I mean, if David said it's a, a cup game is always a, it's a lottery. I mean, um, as we said, you know, you'd prefer, you, you want to go as far as you can. And, and you think with, with our quality, uh, all things being equal, 
we should be looking at a semi-final appearance yeah. um, most seasons. But, you know, it's a cup game and, and you just don't, you know, Leon. Um, if they had played that, that way, presumably in the French League every week, they'd be pushing, bringing down PSG's net. So, and, 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 the, and the problem is, you know, teams like Real Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern Munich, they may not be playing very well, or certainly Real Madrid and uh, Bayern, not playing well in the domestic league, but they've got that, you know, it's almost like that, I hate to say it, but, you know, they've got that history, that pedigree, that big game DNA that we don't quite have yet. And, 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 and I think the point was made that Pep is still going into these games, um, perhaps leaving, perhaps not in the right way. So talking about the way he talks about the Champions League, you know, we've got to win it. Does that put pressure on the, the players? Um, the fact that we haven't, we seem to have struggled away from home in many of the games. Obviously, you know, there's been some notable exceptions, of course. No, Napoli being the, the main one. But again, you know, does that, display a certain amount of um, uncertainty on Pep's part, you know, a bit, a bit of diffidence, a bit of trying too hard to get things right. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot to it. I mean, on our day, we can beat any team over two legs, or not, but, you know, on the wrong day, we could lose to any team over two legs. No. You know, you're looking at teams like, looking at teams like, you know, Inter, as we say, Inter, Schalke, Ajax, Roma, we should be able to get past relatively easily. Um but then, you know, you, you get the Barcelonas um, and the Bayern Munichs and the Real Madrids and the Juves of this world. And Juve are probably the one team I do fear, uh, to be honest. They look very strong. Um, but, you know, it, it's a cup game. It's a lottery. It's the oh. team. And, we, and we've seen that the teams that, as we saw with Liverpool, when they won the, when they won the Champions League in 2005, they came fifth in the Premier League. So sometimes you get the teams that perhaps are struggling in their own league, looking at Bayern and, and Rail, and perhaps they're you know they're playing that bit better in the in the Champions League. Okay, so, guys. I th- well, I think at this stage um, we we better uh, move on uh, from that uh, area and uh, focus a little bit on uh, the next game, and that's uh, uh, against Bournemouth. I'm looking at the league table at the moment. They're eighth. They're one point behind Manchester United. Um, they've, their their main goal scorers are people like uh, Callum Wilson, Wilson and Joshua King. Um, what sort of game do you think uh, this is going to be, uh, David? And are you going to? I was. Oh, I'll be there. Yes. Um, I was very disappointed with them on Sunday when they played Arsenal, mm-hmm. um, and and that was their third defeat in three. And for when you think Callum Wilson has just played for England. And you wouldn't have known he was on the pitch. Um, they, they they gifted Arsenal a goal and and then gave them the free kick from which this same player Lamar gave them the free kick. And I was looking because I was very very conscious, obviously, that we were playing them. So that's why I paid particular attention to them. And I think if if they play like that against us, we'll get a hatful. Um, but you just you just do not know. That's that's the beauty of English football. Um, you know, it's, it's very, very hard to predict. Uh, we should, in theory, win it comfortably, and I feel that we will. But Eddie Howe is a very good manager. Um, been there for 10 years, over two spells with them. But I don't believe he's got the squad depth or the individual players to, to score more than one goal in that, in that particular game. And I think we will. 
Yeah, Colin. I, I looking at the fixtures. They, that's right. They have uh, they've lost their last three games. They lost two two one to uh, Arsenal. They lost two one to Newcastle United, and before that, they lost two uh, one to uh, Manchester United. Uh, in fact, you have to go back to uh, uh, end of October, where they uh, yeah they they got a two one uh, victory in the EFL Cup against them. Um, yeah. Norwich, I think. I mean, yeah, they had a good. Well, I mean, the last three games we played them at home, we won four nil, four nil, five one. And to be honest, it may sound arrogant, but I can't see it being much different on on Saturday. And I think it was interesting what David said about Eddie Howe, because I, I again, I watched the Bournemouth Arsenal game, and, and I tweeted him, perhaps a little unwisely that that Eddie Howe, I thought Eddie Howe was greatly overrated as as a coach. And that he would struggle if asked to make a step up. There are still things in that Bournemouth side. They weren't, and I realise, of course, he's not got the quality that Pep's got. He's not got the quality that um, Unai Emery's got at Arsenal, even. But I, I wasn't seeing them doing the right things. You know, you, you don't necessarily, if you look at perhaps Sean, Sean Dyche at Burnley, and that's a weird example. I see his players who technically, Quality-wise, at the bottom end of the scale, and, and to, well, towards the bottom. Of the league, but I see his players doing the right technical things. I, I think he's got them better organised. I, I, I struggle to see um, any organisation in that Bournemouth team. Um, they were, they were, and perhaps we're spoiled by watching what, what we what, what we watch these days. But you know, they were getting forward. It was very stuttering. Uh, they weren't moving the ball quickly. They weren't closing down in midfield. They weren't um, compact behind the ball. And Eddie Howe has done a great job to get them from where they were, which is basically on the verge of extinction down in League Two, to um, a, a very comfortable mid-table position. But I just see things that I don't, that even despite the lack of quality of the players, and I think they've got some good players, actually, they're still doing things that I wouldn't expect a great coach uh, to see from, from a team coached by someone who's supposed to be a great coach. So I think he's great for what they are. But if he was managing Arsenal, I think Arsenal would struggle. I, I, every manager has his level. And I think where he's got to Bournemouth, he's, he's, he's done well. But that's his level. I don't think he could go to top six level. But I could, could be entirely wrong, of course. So I don't think, I, you know, they're a very open team. They'll let us play. They're not going to pack the midfield. They're not going to have kind of 10 yards between uh, a midfield five and a back four. So so we'll get the chance to play. The, the question is, of course, who's, who's available. Um, so, but, you know, if someone like Bernardo or, or Gundogan or even Phil Foden starts, is available. I, you know, I, I, I foresee a reasonably comfortable 3-0 win for us. Yeah, that's the sort of game where Phil Foden should start. Oh, yeah. because yes. they, they Because they're not, they're not a team of cloggers. Um, Nathan Aki is a little bit slow. Um, in, not, in, not slow in terms He's tackling. Uh, he's often mistimed rather than than brutal and that's what i mean by his slowness uh but they've not got players that would hack you or you know really have a go so it it is a good platform for foden to have maybe start even um because it it, it's due and i think the ceiling will come off or the roof will come off when he scores his first goal i just hope it's at home um because the the fans are ready for it yeah and guys uh, something else i that that just gone gone under the radar for me we We've, we've learned our uh, League Cup quarterfinal opponent is Leicester, who beat Southampton in a penalty shootout. You guys know that, of course, but uh, it just totally escaped me. Um, well, we're looking good in that competition, too, aren't we, uh, Colin? Well, every every time we've played Leicester in the fifth round at um, King Power Stadium, we've gone on to win the competition. So, yeah. 
It's good over Alex, <laughs> Alex Kolarov's stunning goal of uh, 2016, I think it was. It was a, yeah, on penalties last year. Um, yeah, yeah, I was at the, the we played them in 2014, was it? I can't remember. When we, uh, at the end of 2013, because yeah. we won the competition 2014. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was at that game and, um, I remember, funny enough, I remember coming out of the game. We, we won it very... Leicester were in the championship three, three, at that point, looking favourite for promotion. 3-1, was it? Something like that, yeah. Uh, 2 2 or 3 I can't remember. But we... Well, coming out, we won it fairly comfortably, and I remember coming out of the game talking to a Leicester fan, a couple of Leicester fans. I was saying, you know, what, what do you fancy your chances in the Premier League? And, and the guy was saying, oh, it could be the worst thing that happens, happens to us promotion because, you know, we'll be completely out of our depth. And, of course, two seasons later... Won it. <laughs> <laughs> they won the league. I always remember that conversation. I thought, uh, I thought the same thing. I said, you know, yeah, you don't look like Premier League quality just yet. But so, yeah, but, but it is a good omen because we played, say, we played Leicester twice in the last uh, few seasons in the same round of the League Cup away from home and then we've beaten them and gone on to win the competition. So, and talking about good omens, talking about good omens. Uh, we're linked with Isco again. <laughs> it's really, I find this, this is just so funny every single, since 2013. And, but now, guys, this is serious because, the, I don't exactly know how they, um, how the Spanish phrase is translated, but, uh, the outlets that are reporting it are saying that, um, you know, that this is absolutely certain to happen and the Isco's agents are gonna burn the house down to make it happen. What do, what do you think about this, guys? Is this, is just, is this city's longest running joke? I, w- I would tell him, if, if he comes knocking on the door, I'd tell him to clear off. He should have yeah, come I mean, to us. He should have come to us yeah. when Manuel Pellegrini. Pellegrini came. Yeah. Well, he, he played for Pellegrini with Malaga. And there was, it was, that was when it was, he was coming and it's all done at us. No, he wanted to go to Real. No, fine. You know, like Sanchez years before, wants to go to Barcelona. You've made your bed, son. Go and lie in it. I, I think that's a good point. I, I did actually have a, a bit of a ringside seat at that transfer because I had a friend of mine um, had a friend in the Spanish FA and he was uh, present at the negotiations. And uh, it, it was very much in our favour. And uh, it was one of those where at the last minute, apparently, someone wanted some more money and we just said no. So I, I don't think, if that's true, if that was the case, and I believe it is, I don't think we'll go back for him. But um, where would we play him? If we hadn't got Bernardo, you'd think maybe, yeah, you know, we've got room for another creative player in midfield, but where would you play him? He's a good player. Um, but I, A, I don't think, I think he burnt his bridge when he, um, when he, um, with the same bizarre, that, that, that extra little demand when everything's virtually sorted out. And all he's got to do is sign the contract. Um, someone said, "I want more money." I think his father or someone. Or the usual story. Uh, so, so I don't think he'll go. He'll come on that basis, and I don't think we'll. Um, I don't think we need him. Um, we'd have to get rid of someone right? because we're at the limit of foreign players. Anyway, we need someone to replace Fernandinho. We need a forward to replace Aguero. So I, I don't think that that is a priority position. But it's it's a bit like uh, our version of United's uh, Wesley Schneider, isn't it? Uh, guys, uh, you, did, I don't know, did you see the piece? Did you see the piece uh, Sam looked about being the last man alive after a, a, an apocalypse, and he crawls out, crawls out of his shelter where he's been hiding from whatever it was, and as far as he can see, he's the only man alive, and he's uh, walking across the landscape, and he sees this cockroach making a noise, and he goes up to the cockroach, and and the, the cockroach, he sees, you know, what are you trying to tell me? And the cockroach says, "City is still linked with this cow." <laughs> you know, what, what I, I, I noticed what the funny tweet of uh, Sam Lee, he had, he, had, he had put up a link 
to the article which says that uh, City are back in for Isco, and he just dropped a little comment under it. He said, back to bed then. <laughs> back to bed then. Um, guys, something, something that I uh, noticed uh, when I was just scanning through before the pod was uh, we also suffered another uh, loss. I think it was 10 days ago this was reported of um, a former Manchester City captain called Barry Betts. And uh, he's uh, he lived uh, to a great age, eighty six. And uh, guys, can you tell me anything about about this man? He's apparently um, Barnsley born defender. He made one hundred and seventeen appearances for for City from sixty to sixty four. He was a, a, a City captain uh, during that time. Any any insight or not? Well, the BBC, the BBC have covered, um, did a, did a story on Barry Betts dying, but have done nothing on Paul uh, Johnny Hart dying. That's not appeared on uh, BBC at all, and um, I, I, it's not a name that meant a great deal to me. No, um, not me. Before, just before my time, yeah. Yeah, uh, Gary James would know all about this guy, uh, no doubt. I'll, I'll, I'll get, probably get a chance to ask him about yeah. it. Well, Johnny Hart was Peter Swales' first manager as chairman. He was in Johnny Hart was in the hot seat, and Swales became chairman in '73. Mm, something that I hope that we're going to be able to talk about uh, very soon. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, guys, uh, just I think well, the final thing I've got on my little list is that I noticed that City are well. The, well, the report is that City have started to um, ask supporters about s- safe standing. Uh, what do you know about that, uh, Colin? I know quite a bit actually because um, they, they unveiled it. We uh, the meeting we the city matters meeting we had three weeks ago tonight. Uh, we were given a sneak preview of the presentation that um, this company ISG, I think they're called, are have been called in to help redevelop the stadium. And it was mentioned that they're looking at potentially say standing a little uh, in a redeveloped north stand. Uh, I'm not sure about both stands. I'm, I'm sure it was just the north stand they were looking at. Um, and this got a very positive reaction from the City Matters Committee. And certainly it seems to have got a very positive re- reaction. Uh, they've been running a number of focus groups. And of course, this has reached the ears of the press and it's City prepared to consider safe standing. So, yeah, it's very much on the cards. Uh, it depends very much on the um, redevelopment of the existing North Stand. And, and uh, but, but it does look as though it, it's a go. And, and interestingly, just, just as I came in, in checking my Twitter feed, uh, a guy from the who's been involved in the Safe Standing Committee, uh, one of the points made when we had the City Matters meeting about the legality of Safe Standing is that there is probably nothing to stop it because um, the, the, the recommendation of the Taylor Report it's a legal requirement that stadiums are in the first top two divisions are, are, are all seater stadiums, but, but Safe Standing involves rail seating, which is seating. So, so there's no legal. There appears to have been um, no legal bar to putting in rail seats. Absolutely. Okay. Well, then I think uh, we'll leave it here. Okay, Blues. Let's leave it here for now, and we will be back with you again after the game against Bournemouth. Until then, let's uh, express our our gratitude and bid farewell for now to uh, Colin Savage, Presswich Blue. Thank you very much, Colin. Thank you, and good night all. And also David Gregory. Thank you very much, David. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk, City. Okay, until then, as we always say, have one on us and up the blues. Well, the blues, well, the blues.